For others of you, you might want to grab your Bible or your New Testament. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in the 6th chapter. Gospel of Matthew, 6th chapter. Some great verses that I think you'll want to read along with us, so please uh, grab your Bible. We uh, began the morning with the question, what's God done for you? Did you think about that a little bit? Did something come to mind? Uh, did a couple of things come to mind? You jotted them down because it's something you really want to walk out of the door with, uh, recognizing it and acknowledging God. Anybody, can you just say uh, in a few seconds or a minute or whatever, God did this for me? Somebody? How about over here? Anybody? Yes, ma'am? God got you a job? Yeah, we prayed about that for a while. Amen. That's good to hear. Anybody else over here? All right. For the next day, and that's that's like overnight uh, response, huh? <laughs> Not exactly. It's been how long? Nearly, nearly two years. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Good to hear. What's God done for you? How has God come through for you? How many would say, you know, I really have to join the chorus. Uh, he's done a job thing for me. Anybody just hold up your hand on that one? Okay. You recognize the job thing came via God's help on that. Something else. What has God done for you? Yeah. God brought somebody back into my life who I hadn't talked to in quite a while. Okay. An old friend of mine who was having marital turmoil. Okay. And I, I think he brought it back to my life so I could, you know, proselytize. All right. So brought a relationship back into your life that had been out for a while. Good to hear and that God's up to something with that relationship. Good. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, Scott, recently uh, Karen had surgery, and we were all as a family very concerned about the outcome. And it all went swimmingly well, and it was something that we all prayed about. Mm. And I really felt God's protecting and guiding everything through uh, smoothly. And it was one of those cases where exactly what I wanted to have happen. Mm. We're grateful for that positive outcome. Do you have something? Yeah. Um, God has brought me a group of friends that I'm, I'm able to be real with and honest and sincere, and they are that with me. And I haven't had that long time. Yeah. It's been really just a blessing. A group of friends that you can be real with and honest with. Yes, ma'am. Uh, nothing has changed in my job situation. In fact, it's gotten worse. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
keep my mouth shut. God thing. I love you. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, Scott, God has given me so many gifts. We'd be here all day for me to, to really count them all. But I think the one that I really treasure the most right now is the fact that He lets me know on a regular basis that He is God and I am God. Mm. Amen. Well, am I grateful that He is God and that I am not? A little too many amens on that one. Okay. All right. We have to remind ourselves of these things because He is a good God. He is an active, involved God. He's not some detached, otherworldly, you know, uh, 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 abandoning us or abdicating us to whatever's going on in this world. So I, I wanted us to begin our talk today reminding ourselves of these things because some of what we're going to get into will be things that cause us to forget how he has been there for us, how he has come through for us. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up with verse 25. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a preview of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, first of all, Jesus teaching us to not worry. He says, I don't want you to worry about your life. I don't want you to worry about your needs. I don't want you to worry about your future. And instead, I want you to seek first God's kingdom, God's righteousness, God's kingdom, meaning his reign, his rule, his authority in this world, uh, God's righteousness, God's ways, God's purposes, God's plans. I want you to seek first these things instead of worrying. And so as we've been saying over these weeks... We're looking for good news in challenging times. And just at the outset of this, would you say, oh, I'm not sure we're going to get into good news or not. When God starts meddling and saying, don't worry. And I'm a worrier. You're a worrier. Are we, going to, are we in for some good news, do you think? You don't know. Okay. Well, let's look at the text. Let's see what Jesus says. Let's find the good news and let's fortify and encourage our hearts with that today. Picking up in verse 25, Jesus said, therefore, I tell you. And we have trained ourselves that when we see a therefore, we say, what's it there for? He's referring to what has just been said and what has just been said. We talked about last week. You remember? What has just been said is, do not lay up treasures for yourself in this world. Lay up treasures for yourself in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. And so because you're not going to lay up treasures for yourself, you're not going to be myopically focused on this world and the things of this world. Therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? The body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour 
to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. That phrase right there just gave us a clue. This is not a frivolous passage or a frivolous uh, teaching by Jesus. Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans? People that don't know God, people that don't have a relationship, people that have not been saved. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know if you counted how many times he said don't worry in there, but he tended to repeat himself. It's a big issue. It's an important topic for us. And I want you to notice a couple of things when he is teaching us about worry and trust. The first is this. When he says do not worry, it is not a suggestion. If you were able to examine the text in the ancient language, you would find that it is in the imperative. That means it's a command. He is literally commanding us. Do not worry. Now, how can you command something unless it's something that you can control, unless it's a choice and worry is a choice. And then you need to understand that when he says, do not worry, think about the birds, think about the flowers. God takes care of all. This is not his moving us to passivity. Oh, okay. Well, let me just kick back in that lazy boy and flop up the feet. And, you know, Jesus is just going to take care of everything. This is not a command not to work, not to be industrious, not to be productive, not to to make a difference in some kind of way. The point is that there are things that God is going to see to and that he's going to take care of, that he's going to provide for. We are to not worry about that, but we are to work. We are to use the gifts and the talents, the abilities and the opportunities that he's given us in a trust experience. Now, you don't need to probably be told that uh, worry doesn't do a positive thing for us. Not one positive thing for us. And it has, in fact, many detrimental things that it does for us. For example, it leads to sickness. You are already aware of this, that uh, worry can lead to depression. It can lead to heart disease, to stroke, to loss of sleep, to unhealthy weight gain, to unhealthy weight loss, to loss of sleep, to loss of concentration. We could go on and on and on. You go, well... It doesn't really look like it makes much sense to worry then, does it? Not only that, it leads to sin. 
It's not just a little problematic thing for people. This is a very serious spiritual condition. The scriptures tell us that when we worry, we're actually committing the sin of unbelief. And so when we worry about our financial success, that unbelief leads us to sins like coveting, like greed. When we worry over our success, how much, how little we're going to have in life, that leads to irritability, that leads to moodiness, surliness. When we worry over our relational challenges, relational situations, that can lead to withdrawal, that can lead to indifference, to a lack of compassion. When we worry about our reputation, what do people think about us? Our image. That can lead to embellishing the truth, exaggerating the truth. All of that really comes down to just lying. It's a very serious situation. Worry insults God. Now see, that is, a, I hope for you, a myth buster. Because for the thinking of a lot of us, worry seems to be a way of expressing concern. Worry seems to be a way of expressing compassion. You've got a situation going on in your life and I'm worried for you. Meaning, I care a lot about this. This matters to me. I'm intense about it with you. But that's a myth. Worry is not a conveying of concern about you. Worry is a conveying of, I don't trust you and I don't trust God about this situation. And it is insulting to him. Hebrews 3.12 says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. John Piper says it this way, The most basic battle of our lives is the battle to believe in the living God. That's the most basic battle. Will you believe Him? If unbelief gets the upper hand in our lives, then the result can be a hardening that makes us unwilling to repent and then cuts us off from the grace of God. It is a big, big deal to be a chronic, fretful worrier. And so having said all that, is what we're talking about good news or bad news? You see, Scott, I thought uh, we were going to get into this good news thing and, and I would be encouraged, I'd have a lift, and now I just feel absolutely slammed about my worrying. Not only is it problematic and that's why I've got stomach aches, but now you're telling me it's an, I'm insulting God and I'm committing this horrendous sin. Thank you. Well, let me say it to you this way. If, in fact, you were having stomach ailments and you tried some medicinal things, antacids or whatever, and that didn't really do it, and you tried altering a couple of life patterns, you changed your diet a little bit, maybe got a little more rest or whatever, and that didn't do it, and you end up going to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, I... I'm sorry to inform you, but you actually have cancer. 
of the small intestine. You go, well, that that'd really be bad news. Well, it would be. But it would also be good news in this sense because the doctor would go on to say, but we've got it at such an early stage and it is so treatable. We can take care of this. You will be better because we found this out than if we hadn't found it out. So, friends, what we're saying really is good news, even though it feels like bad news initially. Because if you, in fact, have unbelief going on in your life that expresses itself in fretful worrisomeness, then you want to know about that cancer that is eating away the vitality, the health, and the life of your relationship with Jesus so that He can do something about it with you and health and strength and vibrancy can come into your life and into your faith experience of Jesus. So what we need clarity on is this. If you are a chronic, consistent, regular worrier, is that because of unbelief? Or is that because your beliefs are being attacked? Two vastly different situations. For if, in fact, you're suffering from unbelief, you just can't trust Jesus. Then the good news for you today is that He's showing you that you can repent of that. You can turn to Jesus about that and he will begin to instill faith and trust in you. So if your if your situation is, in fact, unbelief. Then today is a day of good news for you, because today. Right now, the kingdom of heaven is near. It is right here among us. The invitation of Jesus is for right now. Trust me. Allow me into your life. Allow me to activate a faith within you that will enable you and empower you to trust. But the other side of it is what we would call an attack on my belief. Because the fact of the matter is we do have an enemy to our soul and he is invested in undermining our faith. And he attacks our faith. It would be something like this. Imagine that you were in a race uh, amongst cars. You were, you were driving a car in a race. And as uh, you're uh, into however many turns of the race, your opponent throws mud on your windshield. And all of a sudden, you begin to swerve. You begin to question what kind of control, what what does my future hold? I can't see. Well, at that point, what you want to do is activate the window washer and the window wiper, and you want to clear off the mud so that you can once again have clarity about the race that you're driving in. You see what we're talking about? If Jesus has a relationship with you and you with Jesus, and he's put a faith within you and activated a faith within you, then there will be those scenarios where our enemy will cast the, the mud and the dirt of confusion and distraction and deception upon you. 
and cloud the vision so you can't see the glory of God. You can't see the purposes of God. You can't see the direction that your life is supposed to be going. And in those times, you're not suffering from unbelief. You're suffering from an attack on your belief. And the scriptures are filled with instructions about what to do when your belief is being attacked. Battle it. Psalm 56, 36 says this way. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Now, notice it doesn't say you'll never be afraid. When I am afraid, I will choose to wash the windows of the faith of my soul and trust you. I'll bank on you. I'll believe in you. Even when fear is gripping me. First Peter five. Uh, verse six says it this way. Not, there's not 76 verses in the chapter. That cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. When, when anxieties begin to mushroom and multiply and swirl in you and the vision gets cloudy, cast it to God, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know how to handle this. This is all beyond me. So, Here. I'm going to trust you. I don't, I don't even know all the questions, much less all the answers. Battle. Unbelief. So here's Jesus' commands to us today. How do you have a life that knows and experiences contentment? He says, don't worry. And do seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. Don't do one thing, but do another. Now, how do we seek first, prioritize first and best God's kingdom and righteousness? How do we get at that? He's been telling us all along. Same chapter. A few verses up in chapter 6. The Lord's Prayer. What did He say? Pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, you're praying that God's reign, God's rule, God's power, God's authority, God's will, God's ways, God's purposes, God's plans will come to pass. That's a regular part of your praying. It's not, Lord, will you help me this, help me that. I mean, petition and asking God to do things for me is legitimate and He invites us to do that. But it's way down the list of prayer priorities. The first priority is to pray His kingdom come, His will be done. What are you up to, God? What, what are you doing with me? What are you doing with the circumstances around me? What are you doing with my family? What are you doing at my place of work? I want to know what you're doing so that I can get in concert with what you're doing. I want to join you in what you're doing. That's what we're talking about. Seeking first. Prayerfully. And also in the same chapter, he says, this is how you prioritize God. Lay up treasures in heaven. Be heavenly minded and earthly good. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And so if you're going to give, give as unto the Lord. Not for how it makes you feel or what difference it does for you or something. Do it because you have that divine prompting. If you're going to uh, 
come alongside somebody and, and give them your time and help them with some problem or some project or whatever. Do that as unto the Lord, not because the friend is such a great guy or because uh, he's so deserving or because nobody else will or any other lesser issue. Everything you do, do as unto God, laying up treasures in heaven. Everything you do as unto the Lord counts in heaven. So um, I'm just reminded, uh, you guys were awesome with these buckets of hope. And, you know, uh, for those of you that are new today, we, we put together these buckets full of supplies. And, they're, and we, we joined thousands of other churches across the country to do that. Uh, so we're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands of buckets that are going to be taken to Haiti. And it's enough to feed a family for a week. You guys did 50 buckets. It was, it was an awesome thing. As you do that unto the Lord, you're laying up treasures in heaven. Now, if you did that because of guilt, well, everybody else took a bucket. I better take a bucket. You know. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> but if God stirred you, and you're okay, I'm going to do the bucket. God stirred me about that. Treasures in heaven. And by the way, the, uh, the guy that was going to circulate around all the churches and pick up these buckets had uh, unexpected surgery this past week and cannot do it. And so we, we literally need to take all our buckets to a church in Renton. And if you're uh, able to do that, if God's stirring you right now and you're looking for treasures in heaven. <laughs> Just by the way, it hit me. So uh, you can see me after the service and either this afternoon or tomorrow. It has to happen by tomorrow. Uh, we need to get those to rent it. But anyway, where was I? We're laying up treasures in heaven. So how do we seek first God's kingdom? We pray, we lay, and we replay. I really like that. You didn't like that that much? You go, well, I'm not sure. What's replay mean? Well, that means you take the truths of God and you replay them over and over again in your mind. The opposite of worry. See, worry takes the problems and replays them over again. What we're talking about is taking the promises and replaying them over and over again. What did we just read in the text? Your Father knows what you need. Replay that over and over again. He knows what's going on with me. He knows what my circumstances are. He knows what's happening with me. I'm not a forgotten child of His. He is up on it. Replay that over and over again. And then the next verse it says, and he will supply that need. You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and he will bring about the things that you need. Replay that over and over again. And there's thousands of those kind of promises in the scriptures that you replay over and over again in your mind. And then you stay. Now listen, when I felt like God gave me this, I was so excited. And you're like just looking at me. How are we going to do this prioritization? We're going to pray, lay, repay, and stay. Can you do that with me one time? Pray, lay, replay, stay. You go, stay what? Stay on today. He said, I know there's troubles tomorrow. I know there's troubles next week. Stay on today. Let's you and me do today. And then when the next day gets here, we'll do that day. You've got enough trouble for today. Don't go borrowing tomorrows. Is this a plan or what? 
I, I was thrilled when I felt that come to me. Anyway, moving right along, let's talk about good news. We're going to wrap it up. Did you catch any good news in what we're talking about today? God's good. God wants to make a difference. God loves you. I'm going to highlight them real quick and we're going to be through. And the first is this. We don't have to worry. You know, that still doesn't feel like good news to me. I'm so comfortable with worry. Oh, Lord, help us. I know. I get there, too. But we don't have to. We don't have to succumb to all of the ailments that worry brings. We don't have to insult God and suffer from uh, belief challenges. He said, I'm going to be so at work in your life. You can trust. You don't have to worry. I think that's really good news. God is your heavenly father. Over and again, he said, your heavenly father knows. Your heavenly father will, will provide. This is not some far off distant God. This is not some nameless deity out there that we don't know anything about and we have to blindly do obedient kind of things. This is a personal, loving Father. Third, he says, by the way, you matter to me. Way more than birds and flowers and trees. You know, the Bible makes a big case about ecological concern, ecological stewardship. The Bible makes a, a big deal about that. And I, I'm not being frivolous about that at all. But here's what I am saying. You matter a lot more than all the other stuff in this world, on this planet. We need to be careful and stewards and all that of the stuff. But you matter more than the stuff that's on this planet. You are of the greatest priority of the creative world to God. And then in the fourth place, it's good news that he knows our need. You go, okay, time out. If he knows my need and my need is not being met, then that's a problem to me. Okay, what do the texts say? The text said, don't worry about food, don't worry about drink, don't worry about clothes. I mean, isn't life more than that? That's what the text said. And so if I've got some challenges going on with the basic necessities of life, or I've got some challenges going on relationally or vocationally or whatever, and God's not doing, you know, the immediate response to my need, then something more important than that need is going on. Because life is more than that. And sometimes, because He is a loving Father, sometimes He allows a hard thing to happen in us or to us because the way that we engage that with Him by faith changes us. And a character thing happens. And a Christ-like thing happens. And it was ever so much more important that we went through the hard thing than it was that we got, you know, the blank filled in. Whatever the blank was. Or, God was up to some purpose in some life around you 
And he allowed a hard thing to happen to you because as you faithed him, trusted him, stayed on course with him, even with the hard thing. The guy over here is looking at this and going, you know, there must be something to God because that's a hard thing. And he still thinks God's good. So these these kinds of purposes that are bigger and more significant than You know, I was missing a meal today. What happened with that, God? You know, those kinds of things are at work. He knows our need. The fifth thing that I would say to you is really good news is that God accomplishes His will. And guess what? That's being accomplished through you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And these things will be added unto you. What things? What needs is he going to, to, to meet? What kinds of prayers is he going to answer? The things that accomplish his righteousness and his kingdom in you. He's going to accomplish his kingdom and purpose, his righteousness in you. And then in the sixth place, I think it's really good news. Every day has troubles. You're going, oh, come on, man. No, seriously. Who has troubles every day? I got them every day. This text says that's normal. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm thinking, I'm a child of God. I I seek to honor God. I seek to, to bless the Lord. How come I'm having a trouble today? See, and I'm thinking I'm supposed to be exempt from some troubles. And when I'm not exempt from the troubles, then that kind of leads me to think, okay, have I screwed up somewhere? Have I got God mad at me about whatever? No. Troubles are every day. It's norm. And that's good news. It's not a matter of, I got a trouble today. Did God forget about me? Has God abandoned me? Does God no longer live? No, it's normal. Now, some of those troubles are caused by sin, and that's another whole subject for another whole day. What are you going to do about what we said today? Will you repent? Will you turn to Christ? If you, in fact, would have to say, you know what? I, I kind of am on the unbelief side. I need him to do a faith thing in me. Then we, how about today? I think that's the good news for you, that he's here today inviting you into a relationship with himself. On the back side of that connection card, left-hand side, that says, I want to have a relationship with Jesus, just check that. I'll follow up with you about that. We can talk, phone, person, however you want to do it. And if you are of the faith, will you then attack unbelief? Will you trust And then, if anything struck you as a bit of good news today, would you care about somebody else enough that you'd share one bit of good news with one person? Would you do that this week? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my friends in the house and those that are listening to this later, that your spirit would be mighty upon us, attacking unbelief, dismantling worry, 
stirring faith. Oh Lord, make our faith hot, aflame. We pray that whatever you're up to with us right now, that we would have faith and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.